everyone and welcome to another Scots Way Hay podcast and today I'm joined by poet, playwright, fantasy writer and spoken word artist Chris Tate. Hello Chris. Hi. And also by playwright, director and producer Lisa Nicholl. Hello Lisa. Hi there Alistair. And we're here to talk all about the audio drama A Toon Built, A Poor Shenanigans, but we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about a whole lot more. But first of all Chris, what can you tell us about A Toon Built, A Poor Shenanigans? which is a great title, by the way. Thank you. Well, what it is, it's um, a play. I always was really interested in getting into playwriting, but I found it a maze to find an opportunity. So during lockdown, then the Tron Theatre, had them, they were offering chances for people to be able to write and develop plays. So I did it and I wrote half a play. Originally, it was about scarecrows and I was inspired by Three Men in a Tub because I had a commission to write a poem based on a painting. So I developed the characters for that. And it was meant to be that they go on a journey. They sail to Shetland and they think that um, they'll find chances, but they have a really rough journey. They struggle. It's um, a real ordeal. And then it was recorded by the Tron. And I passed it on to Lisa because I'd worked with her previously in motion theatre and I really enjoyed it and I learned a lot. And she was very inspired by it and she was really keen to work on it. So she suggested that we get funding and we went through it step by step. And then we did. And we went to Carnoustie. We had regular sessions and I was involved in every step for the um, hiring uh, the auditions or actors and the development of the script, the improvising and readings. And then we were able to uh, hire photographers and soon staff. And, and then it was um, recorded and it's I've been very good fun. Yeah. And has it come, is it the way you kind of thought about it when you started writing it, is it, you know, kind of fully realised? It is. Well, it's even better than I thought because originally it was just half a play and I thought it would just end with them sailing to this island. But uh, it actually, it's grown arms and legs. One opportunity is led to another. Um, the script is developed. Um, it's gained a lot of opportunities for other people. And I, I'm so happy to see them having fun with it. So it's actually gone a lot further and developed far more than I imagined it would. Yeah, and I think one of the things, just from my point of view, Alistair, as well, is that um, Chris had come with us. We actually started working together. One of the play kind of came from a, a monologue that Chris created as well during lockdown, um, which was called uh, Diablo in Blunderland. Um, and uh, I was fascinated by Chris's writing because it's so poetical. But the one thing that I was wary of was how do we make this accessible for an audience? Mm -hmm. So when Chris had let me hear what had been recorded at the Tron, it's brilliant. But for me, I was going, how do we access this? you know for the general public our storytelling is just incredible so we spent a lot of time developing the script to get it to a stage that hopefully those who listen to it uh, can connect with it because I think there's a lot of universal stories in there about you know people trying to find their way and be accepted in society as well and that, yes. that touches upon the themes that are, are, are that run through it and the ideas that run through it um, what was the initial inspiration to, to, to begin to write these characters? 
Well, um, I have Asperger's and I'm inspired by like the underdog and people that are different and people that have had a different a difficult time and I want it to emphasize that disability is not a negative thing it makes you unique and very often when you have a disability it means that you have other traits and skills that work far better so for example with my Asperger's it's made me creative and have a, a photographic memory and I like writing about subjects that people wouldn't usually speak about so someone told me you should only write about one character at a time but I wrote about several that's like an ensemble piece and um the the baker has autism the um, butcher has dyslexia and the, um, the candlestick marker has dyspraxia and schizophrenia so what i do is i illustrate them i don't actually say they've got disabilities but i just animate it so you can see the struggles that they have but as well shine a light on their positives so i thought that that could inspire people with the disabilities themselves to realize that they're no alone and they have gifts to offer yeah, and that was something that was really important to me, like with a lot of work that I produce and write myself and the way that Chris does it, is that you're not banging over somebody's head going, this is about autism, this is about, you know, dyspraxia. And, you know, we actually did a launch in Carnoustie, as, as Chris mentioned, and um, that's where I'm originally from. And I've just moved back to this area. I think um, the past couple of years has taught us we can live anywhere, have a good life and still travel about. Um, and so we actually did a launch um, in the theatre space there. And afterwards we did a and a you know, and some people were like, oh, it would have been interesting to know what, you know, the themes were before. But we're like, actually, that's not the point. It's about going, well, what do you take from it? And people were getting it. And um, we're really curious to know, especially from younger audiences, the kind of 16 to 25 age group, how people are connecting with that as well. Because it's a story for all, but we've had some really good feedback from that age group, kind of saying that, oh, it's really good to see a writer like Chris, who has had struggles, who Chris has openly talked about, um, you know, as a writer um, and, you know, dealing with autism and seeing somebody being so inspirational and that also coming out through the story that isn't banging over the head that this is what this is about. Because that's sometimes when you want to switch off when you're being told what to kind of say or do as well. So I think Chris is one of the most phenomenal writers I've ever worked with amazing uh, writer who would send me over a script and I script edited this piece as well and we'd be reading things and going oh that's not quite right or can we look at this and I'd give her one note and she'd come back my favorite moment is which I've talked about a few times now is um, I'd said oh you know we need to kind of get a good market scene and why are they at the market and Chris just went well Goldilocks and Dick Whittington have separated and they're throwing their belongings out the window and I was like you know all I said was you know why are they at market and I just thought Chris's imagination is absolutely beautiful to those who listen to this as well. I think there's a few things there to pick up on I think you're absolutely right about you show these people, you don't tell, you're not, you know, there's no signage going, you know, this person is this. You explain it through their conversations and through the reactions that they get from applying to get in to uh, the town, what the situation. And also, uh, Lisa, you mentioned um, that it's poetic writing and it absolutely is. And it, for me, it kind of fits into a Scottish storytelling tradition a very rich Scottish storytelling tradition that goes right back. Um, Chris, was that something that you were kind of thinking about when you were writing it? Yes, I'm very inspired by culture. I love, for example, Irish and Scottish myths and legends. I love the music. So what I do is I like tacking those old-fashioned things and um, turning them 
on their head. And I studied that when I was at college, prior to my degree, because I did an alternative creative writing degree. I studied and researched like folk tales and folklore and how to preserve them. And I think that sometimes people might find it boring when they think of like dusty old books. So what I try to do is um, mix like the, the everyday we dreams and people turning into mythical characters and buildings transforming. So it's like a, a magic realism style. Yeah, it's got that kind of folk ballad uh, tradition. And I, when I first listened to it, I thought it was almost like an audio, like Tam O'Shanter in that kind of age. You've got the real world and then you've got this supernatural aspect coming in. And or with this particularly, not just supernatural, but fairy tales as well. Yes. Um, you've also got some lovely music uh, going through it too. How did that become involved? How did you approach that? Well, Chris had somebody, um, you know, she talks about having music with that kind of shit, I can't say shitlandic, <laughs> getting the word out correctly, uh, feel, and, but, and Alexis talk about that, of course, um, but what was really important for me, like, you know, direction, producing it and bringing it together was like that, 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 that the music was like another character as well, so that it kind of added to it, and when you listen to it, there aren't a lot of real sounds, because Chris's as you've just said there quite rightly, Alistair, our, our words are so poetic, we didn't want to well, spoil it with too much music or too many kind of literal sounds, because sometimes the cast were asking when we recorded, oh, will there be a sound effect there? Will there? I was kind of like, no, it's like the music that's going to create that, because why, you know, dilute the brilliant writing, but also having the music there to, to add to where Chris has come from um, and to add the character to it. And even when there's an alarm going off, it's more the sound of the of the fiddle in there. And it was really important. And it was it was dead important to you, Chris, that it was, you know, a local person as well that um that you well that, that, that we found as well, wasn't it? Yes, definitely. I put a lot of thought into it and I was getting a recommendation for um, a friend and the person that we chose, Jayanne Davidson, had played at the Edinburgh Military Tattoo and I um, was really impressed with that and I was so happy with her fiddle playing and as well, she won the Shetland Young Fiddler of the Year. So um, that was excellent references and um, the fiddle playing was like a character in itself and, and that was a, a lovely accompaniment to the writing. Again, that kind of harks back to that lovely tradition of storytellers and going around the country and the musician being a, an equal part with the with the actors or, or the speakers or whatever. And that's exactly what it sounded like. And I think doing it as an, a, an audio drama, as a podcast, is such a lovely thing to do because people can take it anywhere with them. Yes. Yes, you're right. I love that because I do. Um, I attend a lot of writers groups and open mic sessions and spoken word events across Scotland. And I love being able to travel and share my culture and hear other people's culture and engage with that and learn about it. So, yes, it is a, a, a lovely thing. Yeah, and it's it's so hard nowadays as well sometimes um, for artists to try and get funding to get a piece on stage because I know Chris is talking about the playwriting, but I think this is something for me, I'm always about, um, so I, I produce, uh, write, direct, but for me I'm a real kind of um, advocator and supporter of talent and how we nurture that and how we support that and how we bring it out to the, the best possible kind of side of things. Um, and I think that hopefully, you know, that's that's what we've, um, you know, done with Chris here as well. And by creating rather than hanging off as the saying going oh where's my theatre show you know it's like going well here's something that's audio um and that can also be uh this wasn't why we did it but it can be a calling card for other things 
and I know that we um, have had some conversations um, already with uh, Dundee University to see perhaps if some of the students might do uh, use the play as a project to create maybe some short animations about it. Um, I know Chris and I are talking about that and that's something that Chris would love. And also, I don't know if you saw some of the images, Alistair, and for those who are listening as well, um, that accompany the podcast, um, Vanessa um, created those images and um, we're also talked about, well, could we make this into a graphic novel? So it's about the opportunity that this has is leading hopefully um, for Chris and that we can actually take this further and it isn't just one story but the podcast I think again since um, you know the things over the past couple of years have been restricted it's given us so many other ways to work together um, which is just so exciting and Chris's words are meant to be heard if that makes sense so it's just it's beautiful to I hope so <laughs> it's beautiful to hear it, that yeah people can walk down the street they could drive in their car they could you know do their hoovering and you know listen to the story. And as you say, it, it, it would act as an excellent calling card for um, putting it on in spaces. And is that something that you explored? Um, yes, I think that it can be heard um, anywhere. Um, as, as Lisa was saying, that I used to work as a cleaner and I would have my phone in my pocket and I would listen to podcasts and lectures. And even um, I would be listening to the like groups that Lisa did I was even able to um, discuss things while I was working so I think that the more that you explore and push boundaries and geek art a chance in the everyday then the more that people can enjoy it and explore it. Yeah and I guess as well with that as well this isn't episode talked about yet Chris but you know there is a way just like you're saying Alistair that all you kind of need is uh I'm just thinking four microphones um, on a stage and the fiddle player and you could do a live version. It doesn't have to be, you know, that way of going, here's a theatrical show with all the, you know, bells and whistles, because sometimes the best theatre can just be stripped back, great writing, great performances and a good story. Um, so there are possibilities, I guess, that you could, you know, tour it in that kind of way as well as a spoken word piece with the actors as well. Uh, no, that's what I was thinking. Absolutely. And talking about the actors, it's a great cast. How did, and, and as we're talking, I'm see, it's seeing what a, a big collaboration this is and people finding the perfect folk to work with as well. Was, Lisa, was that what you found about the project as a whole, that you just got to work with the right people from Chris onwards? For me, honestly, it's so important. I've done a lot of projects where you're like, this doesn't feel right. And sometimes it's because you're not working with the right people that gel. So for me, I would rather work with some people who maybe aren't as well known or whatever that is, if they're right. The role and you know there's a good team and I think that's what all the actors commented on that they just loved working on this so we did um uh, a couple of well we did six days development on the script and that was over a period of kind of eight weeks so we went into the space for a couple of days um worked on the script I did some improvisations with the cast even had them down the beach doing improvisations sent them out in the town to observe what they maybe saw because this was a new town to them and that kind of infiltrated then into the writing of the piece so it was a very kind of um the writing Chris had you know changed you know a lot over those periods um and the outside world of what we were experiencing Chris also brought into it and I'm a big believer of that with um you know the writing so we did that um 
And then we had a break of a couple of weeks. Chris and I were writing, well, writing between us. Then another kind of development stage with the actors. Then again, a bit of batting for backwards and forwards. And then um, uh, the same again. And then we went into recording, which, you know, was, was a brilliant process. But we, we, we found a really good cast um, and we auditioned, you know, uh, spoke to different agents, spoke to different people. We actually auditioned on Zoom at the time because things were still a bit, oh, you know, meeting up. But the other big thing I have as well, is, um, and Chris and I talked about it and it was part of our application, is how we support new talent who are actually graduating um, because especially after the past couple of years a lot of people struggle to find the opportunities um, so I linked in with uh, Dundee and Angus College and we saw maybe about seven of them as well um, which gave them an opportunity and yes absolutely it's not always just about um, supporting new emerging talent because there's talent of all ages and genders and everything out there. Um, but it's just about going, you know, how can we support that? Because sometimes people go, ah, I've just left. What do I do now? Um, so it was nice to build all of that up. And we created just a, a lovely team. And most of them, um, well, they all had a local connection to the Dundee and Perthshire area as well, and Angus area. Um, and we just wanted to give opportunities to uh, people. You know, I've, I've lived in Glasgow for, you know, 15 years um, and lived London, Edinburgh, different places, but just come back here and realise how sometimes it can be very central belt based as we all know with lots of things but again I think since lockdown it's actually shown us that we can do things other places and if we get you know money to help people support them travel places it's it's really exciting and I think for Chris um I think the team was just a brilliant a brilliant team to have and we had a great sound guy as well somebody doing all the video work and it's just yeah it's been it's been an absolute honestly one of my favorite projects <laughs> definitely definitely and that's yeah, we've done a lot of stuff. I think you're absolutely right. I think that one of the positives to have come out of lockdown is the realisation that you don't necessarily have to be physically in a place to still do your work and do, you know, uh, and, and to contribute and create and all the things that we're doing. But Lisa, I think, did you let slip there then that a town built upon shenanigans is based on Carnoustie, at least in part? I know, it's definitely based on Shetland. Just like <laughs> that. But it's quite funny because I sent them all out on a, because most of them, apart from one person, hadn't been to Carnoustie before. So I was trying to get them to, and Chris, to think about, you know, the visuals that are round about, because when you're listening to an audio piece, you want to have that visual thing. So send them out on the street and go, you know, just uh, wonder about the street. What do you see? Is there something, well, look at, Oh. that green man oh look at that lollipop lady so there were certain things when they came, I was questioning them when they came back so what did you see what did you do kind of in character and Chris would write down notes from things so then some of that came in so what's lovely I think for Chris and I and the cast is when we listen to it we go oh that's actually come from something we did and then when we were down on the beach I was like right imagine that the the boat's coming in and you've just sailed in and it's sailing away and you can't get back again and I think that added to it for the actors and for Chris going oh for the writing as well would you would you agree Chris or maybe that up. <laughs> oh definitely yes um to, to have a, a background uh, was really useful and that um fed into the piece because i'm very inspired by like place and its individual character and i think that that definitely did help influence the writing yeah and chris you said you were involved in the audition process as well so was it quite did you have an idea in your head about how your characters actually were and was it uh, uh, difficult to kind of then have them at 3D, if you like, in real person. Yes, um, I had very uh, clear ideas of what the um, actors would look 
the characters look and sound like, and the ones that I chose um, matched the ones that Lisa thought would be the most suitable to. Their voices just fit perfectly. Well, that's really interesting to hear, and because I'm presuming, Lisa, that that's not necessarily always the case. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's, it's that thing when it feels right, it feels right. And when you hear something, and I think it was just going, yeah, this is right. And um, we, uh, Chris and I also talked about this. We did have other people going, actually, the standard was really good. But sometimes it's just somebody who just has that edge yeah. that goes, they get it. And I think it's really important in an audition that, especially with Chris's writing, that they just get the writing. And, you know, other people were good, but they just didn't connect with it as much as in rather than reading it as a piece of poetry, how do you make that sound like it is a person? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really crucial. And it's very similar to the way I write, because I write in that kind of poetical form as well, um, more conversational and more kind of contemporary drama for myself. Um, and I just I admire, totally admire Chris, Chris's fantasy world. But I think, yeah, it's when you can hear writer, uh, actors go, uh, they're not reading it like it's on the page of a piece of poetry, it's just, this is what I would say. And I, that represents, I think, the way that Chris, that you speak in life and things like that as well. And that's, you know, really, really important with that as well. Um, and yeah, I think it's a fab fabulous cast. And I think the other thing that added to it was that Chris um, herself, uh, the, the money that we got from Creative Scotland, part of that was there for Chris to uh, kind of embed herself in this area as well. So when she was through writing, she stayed over for a couple of nights um, and, you know, was able to write. And I think that's really important. And I always say this to lots of writers and anyone who, who listens into this as well. Don't just write in your um, uh, your living room, your kitchen, wherever that is. Get out there and write. A bit like, you know, the, the method acting, so to speak. You know, often when I write and the reason I did this as well is like, I'll go down to the beach and then all of a sudden you're seeing things and that's in the script and you don't realise it. And it's yeah. that process of kind of osmosis. So for Chris being here as well, I think, and also the actor said that it just felt different than just rehearsing in the normal spaces, the normal buildings or being in a town that is just your pedestrian, well, when I say pedestrian life, but that everyday life. And I think everybody just felt that that was just a beautiful thing to do. And that's something I, I hope to, you know, I'd love to uh, open up somewhere that just, you know, had that space, you know, here and be able to bring people into record audio dramas and, you know, so. Um, uh -huh. Yeah. That, that, can be, that can be, well, not a dream, but a, a, a kind of aim so that you're taking writers away from the everyday to actually go, you can be inspired by other places and other things as well. Um, yeah. And I think that all added to the beauty of Chris's writing. And would you agree with that, Chris, that the, the importance of um, not just place and space, but also actual interaction, which we've all kind of missed over the last, you know, couple of years, but being able to kind of be there while that was happening was really important. Yes, definitely, because um, the cafes in the area and the restaurants and the hotel that I was staying in, I got chatting to them and um, at the hotel on Wednesday nights, they had Irish folk band and I really enjoyed that and I spoke to them and I even got the chance to read my own poetry and I love that, that's like marking your own entertainment, so I, I really do think it's important to feel the character or the place and, and let it tune into our five senses because that's really important. Sometimes writers forget to use other senses when they're writing and they just think about sight. But you no, know, I was given the opportunity that I could um, tune in with it. Ah, the traffic and the signs and uh, the, each thing, it made it unique. So um, that definitely helped. 
I mean, we're talking about the importance of place. Shetland itself is very important to the piece too. Could you maybe explain a bit about that? Definitely. Yes, well, um, Lerwick is Shetland's capital and it's its second capital. Originally, um, the capital was a place called Scaloa. And the reason that um, Lerwick became the capital is because it, uh, there was some um, ships trading, but there was illegal activity that went on there, uh, like smuggling. So it firstly started off as a tune built upon shenanigans. It was like naughty behaviour. <laughs> so, so, yeah. And, and uh, Chris always says to me when I tell that story to some actors, yeah, yeah, but it's not like that now. I'm like, no, 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 mm. I know. We're, we're talking in the past. <laughs> I love this idea of this naughty town. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's lovely to hear the kind of story behind that because I absolutely do kind of think, well, this is a naughty town. In some ways it's a very strange town, but I quite like to visit it as well. Yes. <laughs> also, I think the town as well, as much as it being naughty, I think it's interesting because they've kind of all been left to their own devices and the person yes. leading it, you know, Scrooge is leading this town, but he's not actually caring about them, you know, and he's just let everything go to rack and ruin, you know, and, you know, it just shows that, that you know, a leader of a place, you know, things, they think they're in charge, but they're not actually, and as much as they're having fun, it's not until these outsiders come in and realise how badly they're being treated. Um, and I think that's what the real sadness of it is. And, you know, some people might even reflect on, you know, life, you know, the way things are just now in the world and things like that too. And that wasn't deliberate, but the more we were doing this, the more we were going, oh gosh, there's real reflections of society as well. And I think that's what's beautiful when you write something and you don't intend to write, a, or you're intending to write something else, but something else comes from it. And sometimes you can't say, you know, well, I guess it's why they're going, I'm going to write about the political climate just now. And then things shift so quickly and you just never know. Things can sometimes just land and you go, oh, that makes sense to now, you know, and, and listening to it and, you know, a year's time, somebody else might connect something else to it as well. So I think that's what the beauty of, of this piece and a lot of writing can be as well, that it, it doesn't mean that it's just set in one period of time, that you could listen to it in 10 years time and still go, this is still contemporary, but actually the reflections or the links I have with it could be completely different depending where we are um, in the world as well. No, I think that's uh, absolutely right. That, and I think theatre and, and storytelling perhaps does that better than any other of the arts because it's constantly changing and moving. You know, a storyteller can change, or a story, sorry, can change from teller to teller, and a piece of theatre can change night to night as well. And, and the audiences and the, 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 your audiences bring their own things to it, which I think you mentioned kind of right at the beginning. And I think it's why this piece works so well, because to go back to what you said originally, um, Chris, is you're not labelling or naming or, or, or leading people in any way. You're allowing them to bring their own uh, a, a, uh, adaptations or interpretations of what you've written. Yes, definitely, because I only had my autism diagnosis at 30 and I only was aware of my condition in my late 20s that it even existed. So there are these things that happened in my life and are these traits that I can look back and say, yes, I definitely um, have Asperger's, but it, it was um, because I don't point a finger at it because I, I didn't kind 
I hate it as I say or it, it existed. So it's the same way with the characters. They didn't kind that they've got um, conditions, and it's it's only because at Shan examples or their behaviour, and then when they're getting support, it fits exactly we um, their condition, the kind of insulation and help that they need. So that's um, again a kind of alternative why um, to get support. And do you feel that the arts these days are more inclusive and supportive than has previously been the case in your experience? Yes, for example, when I've been involved in projects, then they have um, like a, a check sheet, like criteria, and they ask things like feedback. And, and usually they, they ask about if you have a disability and if you are getting a fair chance. And as well, um, more employers and our teachers are getting um, trained about um, disabilities so that they can identify it and get the right support. And as well, um, employers are encouraged to have disabled people in their work, again, so that they can um, use the gifts that they offer. So I do think that it's um, a lot better than for when I was younger, no one mentioned it and there tended to be a, a stigma about it. So I do think that we're come along why. Mm -hmm. Also, as well, I think that it's really important to, to to mention that, like when Chris found out that you know that we got the funding for this, you know, I, one of the things um, I was crying practically because I was just so pleased about this project, um, and I could just get very emotional about stuff and just because I care about folk. But yeah. one of the things Chris had said was, you know, no one's really supported me in this way before, and that's because Chris has been. Um, showing her value through finance and you this is one of the first projects Chris has been paid for in a proper way in a proper rate and I think it's great to say all these other things that, that you've that Chris has done is are, are amazing absolutely but going actually you deserve to be paid you know for when you're doing public appearances for when you're doing these things and I think that I think we all need to be valued in that way and um, because it's so easy we all do work for nothing I do it you know we all we all do that kind of thing to give but I think that you know when you said that I was like you know it's amazing just to go it's taking you to you know the, the um you know the journey that you're on to now to go actually I'm being I'm actually being paid and yeah. I, I felt a difference in Chris um uh over the the past three months and we've known each other for about uh, three years now from the first workshop she got involved with developing other stuff with myself and um, and just your confidence and just your manner and you know Chris had also said that she wasn't very comfortable sometimes speaking in public and we have this Q&A after and we did the launch in Kernisty and there was you know 60 odd people there and she held her own and everyone's like that oh my god I want to go on a night out with Chris <laughs> they're so fabulous but you know I mean I think this process also allows or any any project you do should look at and what is the individual? What have I gained from this? Yeah. What has Chris gained? Going, actually, it's brought confidence. And for me, it brought back going, oh, thank goodness we're working with people together, you yeah. know, um, and, and learning different things. But I think Chris's journey, I've, I, as an observer, just seeing that belief that Chris now has and going, yeah, I deserve this, you know, in terms of a financial, uh, not compensation, but you know what I mean, being able to be paid for this. Yeah, just to have, uh, to be supported in that way, which also means that, there's a validation to what you do. Is that kind of how you feel, Chris? Oh, yes, I feel very rewarded. And um, it's supposed to be that what you put in, you get out. And I definitely feel um, that. And uh, there have been a lot of things like opportunities and rewards that's come for it. For example, since the project, I've collaborated with one of the actors on something and I've um, 
their opportunities were hoping to tack it to schools to, to spread a positive message about mental health. As we were saying, we hope it will be a, a graphic novel and eventually an animated film. So there's just so many like positives that have come for it. And the pay, the money is lovely to get. I really appreciate that. But I just um, value other many positive things that, that have stemmed for it. Yeah, I mean, these things go hand in hand, I think, you know, and you yes. you get that uh, support which allows you to maybe do something that you hadn't imagined in the first place. And then you get the feedback from that where people saying, well, this is a lot. And it all just works. It's kind of from what you're telling me, this project is everything it should be and more. Yes, absolutely. we've given so much and more because I think when you care about something, mm. that's what makes the difference between back to what you were saying earlier, Alistair, about getting the cast and your team when you get your team and your cast right, it's about folk who actually care about what they're doing and they're living in the present moment and they're enjoying it and not thinking about where's my next job or what's happening here, what's happening there. And they go, I care about the team, I care about the story. Um, and I think that makes such a difference and people aren't just classing it as a job. Um, and you can sense that as well through conversations and as back to that, the way that people connect in that as well. Um, it's just, it's, it's such a beautiful thing to have. And yeah, I think we've just been really lucky and really blessed with, with, with everybody that's been involved in this. And I think Definitely. also one of the positives about having it as an audio drama and a podcast is it's it's there, you know, so people can, can uh, people who have acted in it can use it. People that, uh, you, you know, yourselves can say, well, look at this thing that we did and it's still there. And hopefully that means it'll be, I know there's podcasts I made 10 years ago that every now and again, someone listens to for some reason and you go, oh, that was great. I really love that writer or whatever. So these things do have longevity. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons as well, like we're talking about, you know, taking it into schools because I think that it's something that teachers can use to open up discussions and um, without it being like oh here's a piece of government information or whatever that is you know I remember being at school and going oh that's when you switch off or when you see adverts being told what to do or this is how you've got to react and because it's in such a fun way Chris has got a publisher to publish the script as well and she'll tell you about that and the dates that are coming up because that's going to not be that long but there's ways then to go right we could go in to talk to pupils about it, they can work with their teachers, maybe we could create something. And we've thought about whether we could possibly, you know, pilot something in Carnoustie and Shetland because they're the two areas that we're linked with and um, to see if we can get some funding to do that and then to build it and go, right, actually, this is something that could be rolled out and think of ways that, you know, that could be done because I think it's such a great conversation starter. Yeah. And also the other thing is that often people People who, you know, if something affects you, then you talk about it. But if it doesn't affect you, people often have this attitude of like, oh, well, it doesn't affect me. I'm not going to bother with that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really good that it opens conversations up, especially within schools, so that people understand the world around them and that everybody is wired in different ways. Um, because there, there is no normal, you know, there, you know, and it's like, but I think it's really important that, uh, that we open up conversations um, about mental health and people's yeah ways of life and things like that but especially when people don't think oh it doesn't affect me so I think this is a really good way for us to go into to do that yeah and I think it won't just uh, open up those conversations within the school but within the families as well when children go home and, and it, it can only be a good thing in that sense yes and uh, Chris so you it's been published the script has been published 
Yes, I've got an excellent um, publisher. She's Edinburgh-based kid, Mary Turner-Thompson, and she works for a firm called The Book Whisperers that I'm part of, and it will be launched on the 23rd of July at the Vogri Country Park at um, Gore Bridge in Edinburgh, and I'll be there doing signings and uh, poetry workshops with children. And what the um, workshops will be about is, um, I imagine, like animals telling humans off for what they've done to the environment. So I've got these characters with stories, and I thought that that might in inspire the children to come up with poetry of their own. That sounds brilliant. And talking about characters, you know, these characters you've given us in this audio drama are so memorable. Are there any plans to maybe do something else with them? I would love to do a sequel. Yes, I've got ideas for plots and I would continue on the journey. That would be a lot of fun. So yes, if I got funding and the chance to do it again, I would embrace it and I would love to work with the same cast again and add the same people. Maybe you could send them to space or something like that. I don't know, or under the water. <laughs> <laughs> because we should say, there's, there, I mean, you've mentioned Scrooge already and... Uh, there are some uh, well Kent characters involved in, in uh, shenanigans. Yes, there is. There's Scrooge and Pinocchio that um, dances. That's uh, Scrooge and Old Midder Hubbard's son. That's um, a, a, another character. And um, yes, Dick Whittington and Goldilocks is mentioned. And I love the way that Chris brings the characters together as well, Alistair, because it's like, um, um, not Dick Whittington, um, uh, Scrooge is married to old Mother Hubbard and yeah. then Tokyo is their son and it's just like you know other people might be going was that right is that what happened in the fairy tale world it's like no this is just Chris Tate's interpretation it's brilliant it's a lovely yeah. retelling of all these characters you know and, and you. taking them out of their normal stories and saying well this is what else they got up to yes. so, <laughs> behind the scenes look at kind of fairy tales I really love it yeah, it's kind yeah, of like if they're, when they're out with a picture book or off of the uh, film, this is what they really do. <laughs> yeah. And yes. uh, it's, you, we've mentioned it's been produced by In Motion Theatre Company, and it would maybe be nice to hear a bit more about what In Motion do. And we set up In Motion Theatre Company to develop new writing, basically, and it always has a sense of place. Um, and I think that for me, in Motion isn't just about touring work, um, it was about touring theatre work initially um, and I was, I've was i been lucky enough to have a few commissions and um, we've toured that work um, to different places and for me it's about um, connecting with communities as well and not just being, you know, plays on the main stage, it's how do you access communities and get people into the theatre as well and tell real stories. Um, and a lot of these are based on, I go out and interview a lot of people and I either write stories based on um, what I hear um, and or people write stories um, based on um, their experiences and I help produce those as well. So I think there's a real element of life and how everybody's voice needs to be heard as well. And over, um, well, during the pandemic, of course, we couldn't do anything. And we've got a, a play um, that's um, been funded off the back of the Paisley 2021 City of Culture bid. Mm -hmm. um, and even though they didn't get the bid for the City of Culture, we're still touring with a play in uh, 2023 now. It's been delayed for about three years uh, called Other Side of the River, which I've written. And um, that'll be touring. And again, that's inspired 
inspired by Fergusley Park in Paisley, mm -hmm. um, who get a horrific uh, time from the press about it being the worst place to live um, and all the things that are associated with, uh, with it. And I've been going into that community for the past four or five years and uh, the people there have inspired a story um, that is based on a fictional, I've created a fictional town, um, um, but it's inspired by Fergusley Park and the people there are just incredible. I've never felt so at home somewhere, the kindness, and that's the story that we want to tell, that despite the struggles, that there are such good things happening. And for example, in Fergusley Park, um, they've been doing a lot of things that were, that people started to do during the pandemic, like, you know, helping people give people food and, yeah. you know, doing this. They've been doing all that for years. So really for me, In Motion Theatre Company is about getting stories out there that often are heard and back to that thing if it doesn't affect me then you know uh, I, I don't need to get involved so yeah so that's what the company is but also we um I support a lot of uh, writers actors directors um, and have set up creative inspiration motivation Scotland because I feel that we live in a very isolating industry and people can get really down and feel like they're not supported or where's the opportunities or so and so is always getting jobs how do I get it and I run weekly motivational chats just now I'm just doing it in kind um, and uh, there's about 120 people involved usually there's maybe just about 20 people come each week and we do different talks just to give support and to connect people across Scotland as well we're doing them on zoom and for me that's really really important because what we do this industry is a very isolating industry and that's a big drive for me and then just finally within motion um Chris's piece came into this because she got the funding herself but what we said was that in motion are now starting like an independent productions kind of line mm -hmm. um, and that means that if people get funding you know we're attached or I'm attached to it we give them the platform for the website for the social media um, and of course myself you know with the time that if there's you know obviously finance with the project as well but it's more about being able to go right actually you don't need to worry about setting up a website and doing your own social media and you know putting all of that together so a bit like a touring company they would go to a theatre we want to be able to encourage people especially like with audio dramas and um, you know to come to ourselves to go yeah we can create this kind of platform for for your for your work and get involved and yeah hopefully um yeah record them in a beautiful place that inspires so a long answer to lots of different things i just feel passionate about what i do and um working with people like chris it's a journey yeah on their relationship up for three years I think some people expect things too instantly and we've got to be patient and I think that's why this has worked because we spent about six months doing the application and sometimes that care yes. of doing an application can actually provide fruitful results shall we say yes absolutely and I think that's something that a lot of people maybe don't realize when they think about applying for things is just how long and detailed the process can be and that idea of isolation I think is a really important one and I think it became even more highlighted during lockdown in that a yeah, people can be, become really inward thinking about what they do and not realize that there is help and and and, and a, a people with advice and people that have been going through what they're going through and all of those things and that idea of community is one which is really important to encourage yeah absolutely and i think that's it you know you know just think looking at scotland alone there's so many writers actors directors creators you know even stage managers out there and you know more and more people graduating and it's like sometimes you can feel lost and just not know where to be and if you can create that sense of community um you know i think that's the most amazing thing and back to just like working in uh, fergusley park and getting to know them their sense of community is phenomenal you know and it's just like there's so many people who can lead and um, who can learn from this 
um, and just uh, isolation. They say now isolation and loneliness is a is a bigger killer than things like smoking and things like that now as well. Um, and often people don't want to go, oh, I'm, I'm feeling like a bit low and, you know, but actually for me, it's about being honest and going, yeah, you know, how, not, not as in a counselling session, but oh. yeah okay, I'm just feeling a bit crap today because I've not had a job or um, I just don't know what to do, you know. And as I was saying today, I was saying this today to my cousin, I can give help to people, um, but then it's their responsibility to then write that application, to then um, put on that show, to take the advice. And I think Chris is an absolutely exemplary example of that. I've given advice and she has taken that, she's written an application, I've supported it in terms of, you know, she'd send it to me and I would like a bit like an edit, go right, what about this, put that in there. But she has done all of this, even with this project, you know, building the contacts, doing all of that. And I think that Chris is a great example of how you become responsible for your own career and we can guide. It's like in any kind of life, we can guide for so much, but then you've got to go, right, you need to take control of it as well. So thank you, Chris. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. And, and Chris, is that kind of how you felt about this process was that the, the support became such a big part of it? You know, because writing anything, it's often just you and the keyboard or the pen or however you choose to do it. And that is an isolating process just by its very nature. But then the collaboration that it feels like you've had has maybe changed you as a writer as well. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, in my degree, there was collaboration and I didn't enjoy it. But since graduating, I've collaborated with different people like artists and actors. And I've really enjoyed it because we've been able to share our skills and give constructive feedback. And I really appreciated Lisa's support with the application because she was able to look at it for a professional point of view. And I think that there's so much competition for opportunities and things that um, you should seize each opportunity and tack it as far as you can and really push yourself to make contacts, to network, to look what other opportunities are available and, and just be really ambitious. And what inspired you, Chris, to write and perform in the first place? What was the kind of initial spark? Well, I've written my whole life. I wrote as a child and then I went off it for a few years as a teenager. And then I came to realise because it's really the only skill I have, then I should start writing again because otherwise I would be unemployed. So I carried on and I went to college. I did um, an NC in theatre arts and then I did a performance writing degree and I carried on after graduating. I joined writers groups and um, I got things published new and again in books and magazines and websites and and got commissions. And then um, I just did more and more groups and open mic sessions. And one opportunity led to another. I've read at gigs and festivals and had things recorded. But um, why I write, I just feel... Um, compelled to do it it's just something that um, it gives me a lot of pleasure I find it very cathartic when people um, get comfort and enjoyment and entertainment that, that makes me feel like I've done my job so um, and there's just something I'm fascinated by like culture as I say and I want to record it and preserve it and um, I just uh, it, it's just something that I suppose that um just gives me so much pleasure that I'm happy to allocate a lot of time to it, like a magician. 
Aye, absolutely. And I think that pleasure comes through when you're listening to a tune built opposed to shenanigans. There's, there's, I'm interested again, going back to the actors, in that they just seem to, you fall for the characters. You want, you know, you're on their side and everything. And I think that comes from the writing, from the production and from the performing as well. And to see it all come together like this, is, it's, been, uh, it's been such a pleasure to kind of go to shenanigans and spend time there. I've really enjoyed it. Good. Yes, I'm really pleased to hear that. You could join yeah. the next one then as well. You can maybe give a character for you, Alistair. I was just saying, so you've got a guitar there, so we could maybe get a wee tune. Nobody wants that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <As well. laughs> Thanks to both of you for taking the time to chat. I've really enjoyed it. And I do hope that a tune built upon shenanigans reaches the listenership and audience it deserves because it's fantastic. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. And we will be back soon with someone completely different. Mm -hmm.